Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And it's with a tear in our eye as the last week of the NFL football regular season kicks off this weekend. And, Victor, if you can believe it, the college football bowl games are all but in the rearview mirror. Right. And I think that's what you mean by a tear in the eye. You know, I was talking to our buddy, the musician from Canada over the weekend, Jeff Kobashik. And the fact that uh, this first week of January is a letdown week, right? We're only one week left of the NFL regular season. 99.9% uh, .9 of the bowl games have already been played. All we have left is the national championship game. So, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of a letdown as we turn the page into the new year. And I would agree with you 100%, uh, Mark. One thing we do need to do is congratulate Mark Lawrence on another fabulous weekend. Again, let me see here, Mark, if I get this right. Friday, it was the Sun Bowl play, a three-star play on the Pitt Panthers, and that was an outright winner. Very nicely done there. On Saturday, a three-star play on Iowa in the Music City Bowl, 21-0, the final score as the... Uh, uh, Iowa followed their M.O. all season long and basically did it on defense and on special teams. Not to mention Mark's 10-star college bowl game of the year on Ohio State, plus the points, uh, which included a very, very thrilling tandem of high-scoring, exciting national championship semifinal games. Nicely done, Ohio State. Uh, turned the page over to Sunday. Three-star winner for Mark on the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting it done at the end on the road against Baltimore. And the 10-star NFL game of the year on the Seattle Seahawks, an outright home underdog win against the New York Jets. Final score, 23-6. As sharp as Seattle looked in the first half of that game, they could have pretty much, Mark, named the score in that particular game. But just like Mark did last year, he nailed both 10-star Game of the Years in the same weekend. And, Mark, what a fabulous job. We've received a lot of great uh, emails, text, compliments. Nicely done. Well, thank you so very much, Victor. It's nice when all the hard work uh, kind of pays off, the fruit pays off, and it did this particular weekend. And all in all, basically in the bowl season, uh, I might want to mention that our college football bowl guide had another outstanding uh, publication, if you will. Uh, we just added and tallied all this up. Uh, in the College Bowl Guide this year, on just the sides alone, every game, every side was 25-15-1 against the spread. That makes it, for the last two years, 42-26-2, 67% on every College Football Bowl side, if you will, for over 70 games. That's pretty strong, I have to admit that. I'd love to know that in advance, believe me. <laughs> also, uh, Obviously, within all that good uh, good results within the bowl guide, the best bet swept for the second year in a row. The awesome angle was a winner for the second year in a row. Our incredible stat went four and one. That was basically fading the Pac-12, who, by the way, had another horrible bowl season. I'll review that with you in just a little bit here. So 
all in all, another great, great job out of the college bowl guy this year. And, and the, as a result, our customers were the ones that were warranted the best because a lot of what I do comes exactly right from that college football bowl guide. Talking about the bowls in review, Victor, before I turn this over to you, um, a couple of notes that I picked up here before you started the show here is that, uh, as we've been talking about in the past, the dogs off wins overall went 16 and seven to the spread in bowl games. They held their own for sure. Always a pretty strong number. Looking inside the conferences, if you will, three conferences stood out to me with their results in the bowl games this year. At the top of the heap, if you will, the Pac-12. Dismal once again, as always. Three and four straight up, two and five against the spread. Uh, numerous times they just choke games away. No, Perhaps no bigger choke job in the bowl games than what Southern Cal did against Tulane. Uh, that was really, really pathetic. The Big 12 Conference, only two and six straight up, but fortunately, one of those two wins was by TCU, who makes it by merit into the college football championship game this Monday. Kudos to the Horned Frogs on an outstanding season they've had this year. And just one other note in passing here, Victor, the almighty Southeast Conference was just six and five straight up in bowl games this year, five and six to the spread, so... We'll keep an eye on those come next season here, but we'll have all this outlined in the College Bowl Guide for next year. What was your take, Victor, on what you saw in the bowl games this season? Well, you touched on some of the uh, better conference records thus far, Mark. Uh, dogs right now were uh, 22, 18, and 1 ATS. That is for underdogs overall uh, thus far in the College Bowls. And out of those 41 bowl games, 19 of them went over. 22 of them ended up going under the total. There was a resurgence of over the total bowl games in the last seven days of play, including what happened on uh, Saturday and, of course, uh, on Monday as well. Uh, what we've uh, gleaned out of the database in regards to the championship game, uh, favorites have covered in each of the last three championship games. Uh, average points in the championship game has been 65.8 points per game. That's the combined point total uh, in the NCAA championship games. And you again, you touched on the conferences, and we can run through those really, really quick. The AAC went four and three ATS. These are all against the spread numbers. ACC six and three, 67 percent. Nicely done for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, you mentioned the Big Ten went five and four. Big 12, three and five ATS Conference USA split right down the middle at uh, three and three. Uh, the Independents had a good bowl season. The Notre Dames, the Liberties, the Air Forces of the world. Independents ended up going four and one against the spread. Uh, MAC Conference, three, two and one. Mountain West struggle going two, four and one ATS. You mentioned the Pac-12 and their continuous struggles now for Basically, the last five or six years, they went two and five ATS, Sunbelt three and four. And again, you mentioned the SEC conference going six and five straight up, five and six against the spread. But that's where we are as we head to the championship game on Monday, Mark. Well, a nice review of all of what happened in the college football bowl games as well. Uh, keeping it a little bit within the college football realm here before we go over to the NFL side of things. Uh, Victor, I know we talked a little bit about uh, some of what we called uh, the beginning of the show, a little bit of a, uh, from my buddy Scott Van Pelt, who is famous for the worst things he saw or heard today. You and I were talking. Tell me what it was the worst thing that you heard today. 
Well, if we're talking today on Wednesday, I heard something that's uh, a little bit troubling, maybe a little bit head-scratching to me, and I'm sure you may have a comment about it, but uh, the fact that one of Mark's favorite college football <laughs> coaches of all time may have just hired maybe his second favorite college <laughs> football coach of all time. Now, we're being facetious here. We're talking about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, the coach that Mark loves to continuously fade, and the fact that he hired Bobby Petrino as his offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Uh, that sounded a little bit weird to me. I'm sure you have some comments about that uh, based on the fact that you faded both of these coaches in the past. Victor, it sounds like a script from a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute horror show uh, going on, bringing Bobby Petrino back into the college football FBS ranks. But, you know, somehow it's rather justified. They kind of both deserve one another in that sense. So all I can say is best of luck to whatever goes on in Texas A&M for however little long Bobby Petrino will be there. Uh, let me share this with you. The, the, the thing that – the worst thing that I heard today – absolutely made me want to throw up and what it was is pete rose who received a lifetime ban from baseball for betting on games that he managed with cincinnati placed the first legal sports wager in ohio on sunday the bet was on the reds to win the world series that's from a guy who still today contends he never made a bet okay now, all of a sudden, he, like a weed, he pops right out. Sure does. Legalized wagering is happening in Ohio. And who's you know who's the biggest, ugliest weed to, to pop out? Pete Rose. And he makes a bet on the Cincinnati Reds. I want to throw up. And you can almost rest assured, Victor, that some sports book, some legal sports book somewhere is going to hire Pete Rose as a, as a face of the company. And if they do, you can rest assured. I will never, ever even consider opening up an account at that particular sports book. That just made me want to throw up. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a little bit troubling, Mark. Uh, I heard that the reason that they hired Pete Rose was because that Art Schleister was uh, not available. <laughs> well, that's a shame. I mean, they could have really done it. had a one-two punch there, a one-two right. tandem. Yeah, my goodness. I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. A couple of Ohio guys, if you will. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports, and we're going over what happened in the world of college and pro football last week. Victor, let's turn it over to the NFL side of things this week, where it's the final week of the regular season for the 2022 campaign. And a couple of quick notes that I'll mention here before I hand it over to you. Uh, number one, there are only 10 of the 32 teams in the National Football League going into this week and the final week that have a winning record. That's absolutely incredible. None of them in the AFC South or the NFC South, both of those South division teams, not a, nary a winning record between each of the two divisions here. Another food for thought going into not only this weekend, but the college or the NFL playoffs as they come up here, looking at NFL point differential, which means a ton, okay? It, it basically speaks for how well you're playing and how well you're dominating your opponents. In the NFL this football season, the three teams that are the highest in NFL point differential thus far this football season going into this weekend, number one, the Buffalo Bills, plus 157 net points. Number two, San Francisco, right on their heels at plus 148. And it wouldn't surprise me if that 
that gap lessens after this particular weekend. And number three, surprisingly, but Dallas Cowboys at plus 145 net point differential. One other quick note in passing here. You're taking a look at uh, who was in the minus side of point differential this season. Well, try these guys on for size. The 12-4 and four Minnesota Vikings were minus 19 points in net differential this season here. Absolutely mind-blowing. 12-win team, minus 19 net points. And two teams that are in contention to make a bowl, I mean, sorry, make a playoff, earn a playoffs bid this particular week in this spot. A pair of 8-8 eight and eight teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, minus 52 in net point differential, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, minus 32 in net point differential. Basically, what I'm saying here, Victor, is the last three guys that I just mentioned, if they do happen to make the playoffs, you can call them one and done when they get there. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Your thoughts, Victor, on what you saw or picked up in the NFL from last week? Well, uh, here it is. We're on a Wednesday afternoon currently, and, uh, you know, we're still very much in the dark when it comes to the final week of the regular season, uh, Mark. Uh, it's kind of what we get when all 16 games are not played. Of course, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a somber tone as we head into the final re- week of the season with that uh, tragic injury on Monday night uh, in the first quarter of the Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game. And the status of that particular game, will it be replayed? Uh, will it be wiped off the books? How are they going to handle uh, the playoff seedings? based on the fact that two teams have not played the full gamut of the NFL schedule. Uh, for me, I approach things from an over-under standpoint, and once again, in a low-scoring season, we had significantly more unders than overs last week. Six games went over, nine games ended up going under the total. We are currently at 112, 142, and 1 over under on the season. That is that is 56% under the total. And uh, from our friends at the ESPN Stats, unders hitting at 56%. This season is the best mark for unders in any single season since 1991. So based on over-under results only, it's the lowest scoring NFL season in about 30 years. And uh, again, we're down to 43.8 combined points per game as nine out of the 15 games again ended up going under the total. And the primetime games, this has been uh, pretty phenomenal on the season. The primetime games, of course, are the nationally scheduled night games in the NFL. They're now at 19 and 34 over under on the season. And in fact, in the last four weeks, all NFL night games, one over, 12 games under the total. That's the way the Monday night game was heading before it was suspended as well. But again, the nighttime, primetime games, big time underplays this season. It'll be interesting to see what the NFL does, Victor, with regard to that tragedy, tragic incident that happened Monday night uh, to Hamlin from Buffalo, the defensive back. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with regard to rescheduling that game, and I personally feel that it will probably likely come down to after the dust settles this weekend to see whether or not that game needs to be replayed, uh, depending upon where they are in the playoff picture as far as seeds are concerned. And my best guess is yes, it's going to need to, and this is the reason why. This is the current playoff picture going into this weekend in the National Football League, this review that we do each week. 
the number one seed in the AFC is now the Kansas City Chiefs. Philadelphia, as they've been all season long on the NFC side. The number two seed, Buffalo, drops down to the number two seed only because they didn't have a result from last week, okay? So, hence, there you go. The number uh, number two, Buffalo, off their number one perch. Number two is San Francisco in the NFC. Number three is Cincinnati, who's also factoring into right on the heels of Buffalo. So, I think regardless of what happens this week, you're still going to see that game being replayed, uh, if probably resumed. And, you know, the, the weirdest thing, Victor, about resuming the game is the fact that, uh, think about this, they're going to come out, the players of both teams, they're going to place the ball down on the yard line where that incident happened. And that's going to have to send a shiver through the players doing just that, okay? Yeah. And they, they start the game from there. But, you know, the truth be known, they have to get on with the game, okay? All week long, all the talk and all the radios, you know, I'm glued to the NFL on Sirius Radio. It's been nothing about the incident. So it will be nice and refreshing to see the National Football League games play just so long as he is doing well. And the word I'm hearing is he's, he's really coming along real nice, which is great news. Uh, moving forward, the number three seed in the National Football League uh, NFC playoff picture, the Minnesota Vikings. Number four seeds, Jacksonville, temporarily. And number four, Tampa Bay, who has clinched a playoff spot. The number five seeds, the L.A. Chargers with a playoff ticket in their back pocket, along with the Dallas Cowboys, likewise a playoff ticket. Number six seeds, Baltimore and the New York Giants, both in the playoffs. And this is where it gets really interesting. The number seven seeds are the New England Patriots barely clinging and the Seattle Seahawks also barely clinging. Right on their heels, number eight is Miami and the Detroit Lions. Number nine, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. And the other five teams that are mathematically alive, only eight teams have been eliminated so far, are Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Vegas, and New Orleans. The thing that I can't figure out, Victor, and maybe I should have uh, paid a little bit more attention when I was in math class and especially algebra and doing all that stuff is, why is Seattle the number seven seed, Green Bay the number eight seed, and if Green Bay wins their game, they're in? It, 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 I don't quite grasp that, okay? I mean, it has to do, obviously, with tiebreakers, so forth and whatnot. But at this time, as we go into this weekend, Seattle is number seven, Green Bay number eight, number nine and Detroit number eight. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how that NFC shakes out through all of this stuff. And you brought up a great point. What will the mindset be for the teams that are playing with Buffalo and Cincinnati this week? Uh, you know, are they coming to play? Are they come, How hard are they coming to play? What's their focus going to be like? And that's the reason why as we go to do our podcast starting on this show, there are lines on those two particular football games. The NFL doesn't want to get caught and hung up. Uh, until they know exactly the pulse on those two particular teams going right. into a particular weekend. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, we're going to hop over to our one and only featured NFL game of the week this week. No college football featured game of the week because we're down to just the college football championship game. We'll hit a little bit maybe on that a little bit later on in the show, but we covered that game in depth. Uh, Charles did a great write-up in the Playbook Football Newsletter on that game, and a surprise-like write-up is what he did in that particular game. So you might want to pick up a copy of that particular newsletter to find out exactly our stance on Monday night. With that, Victor, let's hop over to that NFL Game of the Week. And obviously every game is a division game this week, and we've got a matchup between two opponents who really do not like one another, the New York Giants 
taking in the Philadelphia Eagles with a lot on the line for Philadelphia. Victor, how do you see this game shaking out Sunday in the NFL? You know, Mark, for the longest time, this last NFL regular season game of the season was a good one for overs. I mean, there is a 10-year period from 2008 all the way to 2018 in which final season, regular season games went under the total at a 58% rate. Uh, very good under numbers over a 10-year period. With that said, you know, this is the headline of this week's uh, uh, Totals Tip Sheet newsletter, and it's the fact that, as you can see there, last week of the regular season now in the last three years, there's actually been 70% over the total in the last three seasons. 33 overs, 14 unders, one tie. We're on a three-year period now in which these final season, regular season games uh, have been extremely high scoring, a little bit head scratching, but it is what it is. And we're just reporting the facts there. Now, as we, uh, you know, head into our game here, let me take a look here. Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a 425 Eastern uh, kickoff time. The line in the game, the job over underline opened at 40 and a half. It's up to 43.0 as we record the podcast. And the Eagles right around a 13.5 to a 14-point home favorite in the game. So based on the point spread, based on the over-under line, the implied score is Philadelphia 28.5, New York Giants 14.5. Now the Giants are a 7-8-1 and over-under team on the season, 4-4, four and 4-4-1 four, four, four and one at home, 2-4 and four on the road. The Eagles have been one of the better over teams this season. Ten overs, six unders. They've gone five, two, and one over under at home. Only four and four on the road. And both of these teams are trending over as of late. The Giants began the year by going under the total in seven of their first ten games. But their last five games have actually gone four, one, and one to the over. Uh, average of 48.2 combined points per game. On the Philadelphia side, they started the year two and three over under first five games, but their last 11 have gone eight overs, only three unders, 54.1 combined points per game. You know, when I started looking at the game, Mark, the OU line appeared about five or six points too low for me, and I couldn't figure out why, especially when we factor in, you know, each team's recent high-scoring run. And I immediately liked the over at that number of uh, 40.5 and even now at 43.0. Then I figured out the reason why after doing some research. And it's the fact that New York's expected point total is only 14.5 points. It really should be about 17 to 21 points in this particular game. With that said, there is a very good chance that quarterback Daniel Jones, running back Saquon Barkley, some of the starters on offense will only get limited minutes in this one, uh, if any. And that's because New York is basically locked in to that number six playoff spot in the NFC conference. They can't improve. They can't decline this week. So the Giants team total of a low 14 and a half points assumes that perhaps some of these guys will probably not play in the second half of the game. We don't know that for sure. 
But we have to assume that, again, based on the over-under line in the game. Uh, but with that said, let's consider the team totals. Another way to make an over-under wager, of course, are playing the team totals where we just bet on one team to go over their total or under their total. And specifically, Philadelphia's team total of 28.5 points in this particular game. We already know that the victory is crucial for the Eagles if they want to secure that number one spot in the AFC. Okay, we know that. We also know that quarterback Jalen Hurts will be back this week after not playing in each of the last two games. Uh, Philly's offense, I mean, heck, they've been very crisp of late regardless of the quarterback with an average of 36.4 points per game on offense in their last five games. And let's not forget that these two teams just played each other three weeks ago as well. In that one, Philadelphia beat the Giants in New York 48-22. to They had 437 yards of offense in the game. Uh, Giants, 4-1 and to the over, their last five division road games. Philadelphia, last five division home games, five overs, zero unders. They've got a perfect five and out of the over. And uh, from the database, you know, with Philadelphia, a huge home favorite this week, we note that NFC East divisional home favorites of 10 or more points, like the Eagles, have actually averaged 34.0 points per game in the last 10 years. With that said, Mark, we're going to lean ever so slightly on the full game over. But I think the easier and potentially more profitable play is the Philadelphia Eagles over their team total of 28.5 points. That's the way I'm betting it right now. Philly over their team total. Victor likes the team total in this football game. Philadelphia to go over the total in the New York Giants matchup on Sunday. And before I get to my side in the game, Victor, let me ask you this question. Storman Norman, who is a regular for us in the coffee club, and supplies almost daily information to us, sent me this 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 uh, coffee club uh, update. And what he said is uh, the National Football League, he's calling them absolutely moronic for the way they flexed these games this particular weekend. Uh, and, and I agree with him. Uh, first of all, the feature game on Sunday night should have been Jacksonville. Yes. Tennessee For the marbles, okay? That, that's what the National Football League is all about. But no, they want to get greedy and they want to put it on Saturday when they can – garner all the ratings on Saturday, okay? So what do they do? They move Green Bay to Sunday night, okay? Green Bay and Detroit. Now, what, what what position does that put Seattle in in its football game? Horrible, okay? In an absolutely horrible position. Because if if in that game, Detroit needs Seattle to lose. If Seattle uh, doesn't, if Seattle wins, Detroit's dead, okay? Right. Yep. I don't understand it, the National Football League thinking, but hey, we're not being paid to understand how the National Football League thinks these days. It's <laughs> just a little, that was just a little commentary about upcoming with this football game on, uh, involving the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let me say this about this football game here uh, with the Giants and the Eagles. Look at the New York Giants. Uh, they're back in the playoffs now for the first time since 2016. Kudos to them. It's it been a great job. Uh, and the last time they were there, they played it in the National Football League in the NFC Championship game. They lost in the NFC Championship game when they were last there. What I like about this team is they didn't panic after they opened up 7-2. and two. They ended up on hard times. They went 0-3-1 after that. But coming down the stretch, they won two of their three games and covered the spread all three contests. They did not raise the white flag, nor did they panic. They're going to enter this game against the Eagles with revenge from their worst loss of the season. 
They got pounded 44 to 28 at home just four weeks ago. So believe me, even though they clinched a playoff berth, they have plenty of incentive in this football contest here. Now here come the Philadelphia Eagles, knowing if they win this game, they'll be a number one seed. Great, okay? But they're a 14-point favorite to have to do so. And I think the biggest mistake that the public makes is backing teams in must-win situations. They don't have to win by 15 points. They just need to win the football game, okay? It doesn't mean must-win doesn't mean they're going to win either, okay? Uh, Philadelphia has never been favored by more than 11 points against the Giants in the history of my well-oiled machine. That goes back to 1980, the largest they've ever been as an 11-point favorite. Now they're laying 14 in this football game. That, to me, is all added pressure on the Philadelphia Eagles coming into this contest. I think the Giants are an excellent side in this football game here, especially with that big, ugly revenge chip on their shoulder here. Uh, and remember this also, Victor, that if the Eagles lose this game and San Francisco and Minnesota win their games, the Eagles could be a number five seed in the National Football League playoffs. I mean, number wow. five, they rode at number one all season long, yet when the dust settles, they could be the number five seed. So that's added pressure in my mind, on the Philadelphia Eagles. So give me the Giants plus the points for my side in that football game between these two NFC East division rivals. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for the Vegas Vibe, one of our favorite segments from our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, welcome aboard, and I hope everything's going well for you this 2022 and 23 football season. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, everything has started off uh, fairly well. Uh, Happy New Year's once again. Now that we're into the new year, to you, Victor, and of course all the listeners and viewers of the uh, of the podcast. In addition to uh, Greg, who uh, puts this entire thing together for us. Uh, a couple of thoughts I had, by the way, as far as some of the things you spoke about earlier. Uh, Detroit has the edge. Oh, I'm sorry. Seattle gets the edge over Detroit because of that wild. 48-45 game that they played earlier in the season that uh, Seattle won. Uh, your point is well taken, though, that if Seattle wins on uh, uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, the Detroit Lions are eliminated, although I haven't quite figured out what happens if the game ends up in a tie. I think that uh, uh, Seattle would still have a better record uh, with one more win than uh, than Detroit if Detroit and Green Bay ended up in a uh in a tie as far as uh, that's concerned. And I think Detroit would hold the tiebreaker. Didn't they beat Green Bay earlier this year? Well, I think they won like 16 to nine, if I recall correctly. So they would have had a, a tie and a win versus the Packers uh, if it comes down to a head to head. Otherwise, other teams with similar records would uh, become involved. And one other thing I'm thinking of, and I'm, I'm waiting for some enterprising sports book. It'll probably have to be offshore rather than here in Las Vegas to put up a line on which will occur first. The kickoff Saturday afternoon between the uh, Raiders and Chiefs at 4.30 Eastern, or we have a new Speaker of the House of Representatives. <laughs> well, uh, I know it might be a little while before that Speaker of the House Speaker uh, gets uh, his name known or her name known, probably his name known. Uh, so I'm going to vote for the NFL side to happen first, Andy. <laughs> I would actually think as much as there is gridlock in Washington, considering we still have, uh, what, about uh, 72 hours or so, I would go with the speaker, but I'd have to see what the odds are. Yeah, for see sure. What happens. But uh, right now them. they are, as we record this on, I believe it's the uh, sixth ballot already. Uh, as far as uh, uh, everything else goes, uh, we've got some contest information. I'll start with the easy one this week. The easy contest this week is Circus Survivor. We had uh, uh, three entries alive entering uh, week 17. 
Two of them uh, were on the um, New York Giants, and one of them was on the Detroit Lions, both advanced. So coming down to the final week of the season, uh, of the 20 weeks in the contest, we've had 19. So there is a chance that in addition to splitting the $6.1 million prize, if all three are successful this uh, uh, this weekend, uh, they would share an extra million dollars for being 20-0 in the contest. And it becomes somewhat interesting. By the way, getting back to the, uh, the Detroit-Seattle situation, had the, uh, the unfortunate uh, uh, injury to um, DeMar uh, Hamlin not occurred and the game had been played and completed. I think Cincinnati-Baltimore might have been the uh, uh, Sunday night game, and that would have been even more so. And uh, they can't change it now, but if Kansas City, if Kansas City were to lose to the Raiders. Now, we wouldn't have the result of the Cincinnati-Buffalo game in, but the path would be open for Cincinnati with a win over Buffalo to get the number one seed because they would have beaten both Buffalo and Kansas City this season. But uh, I'm not going to root against uh, or I'm not going to root against Seattle, although it would be interesting if the winner of Detroit-Green Bay ends up making it to the uh, finals. And I don't know if uh, the two people who have the Giants uh, still have uh, Detroit or Green Bay alive, but the Circus Survivor contest could come down to the uh, final night of the uh, regular season uh, to determine the uh, winner of that. And of course, if all three uh, were happened to lose, uh, then there would be a three-way split, but no bonus money involved. Uh, let's uh, go right back to the Circa Millions contest. Now, unfortunately, the standings were not posted until very late as far as the standings through week 17, but I can give you the information on the consensus uh, results for both that and the Super Contest this week. And, of course, we did have the suspension of the Monday night game, and the two properties actually treated differently. In the Westgate Super Contest, if you had uh, the Bengals or the um, Bills, because the game was not completed by midnight Tuesday night uh, Pacific time, each side gets credited with a loss on that selection. And with the uh, Circa, same circumstances, each side would uh, get a push. And that comes into play because the Bengals were one of the top five selections in both contests. So looking at the uh, Circa Millions contest, the consensus results of the top five selections coming into this past week, 40, 36, and four. That was just under 53%. Uh, The five top selections this week, uh, two, two, and one because of the push with the Bengals. Uh, The winners this week were the Bucks minus three in their contest and the Steelers plus two and a half with their upset win at Baltimore. The two losing selections, the Vikings uh, did not cover the the short number in their one-sided loss to Green Bay and also uh, the Texans in their home loss to, uh, their also one-sided loss to Jacksonville. So for the season, and now in the uh, Circa Millions contest, the consensus of the top five plays through 17 weeks or 85 picks, 42 winners, 38 losers, 52.4%. If you do the math, you throw out the pushes. If you'd play the consensus plays every week uh, at the numbers in the contest, uh, you would be up 0.02 units. We always hear about uh, 52.9 or 52.3 rather, well, 52.4 is slightly better than that. So uh, that's the results there. As I say, we don't have the standings there. We do have the standings, however, in the Golden Nugget contest where they make seven picks a week. And 
this is a season that a lot of us wish we would have joined. They only had 128 entries, and yet there's one contestant uh, in the lead with a uh, 73 out of a possible 119 points. That works out to a relatively low percentage of 61.3%. And I see relatively low because if you look at the results in past years, it's been up there in the mid to upper 60s. And also, you have college football combined with NFL. And there are a lot of a lot of contestants who specialize in college football. And, of course, with the college schedule on a typical weekend, having roughly 50 games throughout the better part of the season to choose from, as opposed to the between 13 and 16 NFL games, a lot more opportunities uh, to spot the favorable situations. So, anyway, we've got uh, one contestant at... Uh, 61%, 61.3%, another at 60.1%. In order to be cashing this year, and they pay the top 20 in ties, 55.5% is what is needed to share in some part of the uh, prize pool. Now, looking at the uh, two Westgate contests, uh, the Super Contest and the Super Contest Gold, in the Super Contest Gold, we usually just report on the uh, leaders in the contest. And uh, with 80 entries this year, all but six have been eliminated from winning the winner-take-all contest because the leader has 55 and a half points, and only five other contestants have uh, f- have uh, at least 50 and a half. 50 and a half to go five and zero, oh, then everybody else would have to falter, and the leader would have to go zero oh and five. Then that person at 50.5 could catch it, but there is no one at 50.5. Um, 51.5 is the uh, next highest one. That's only four points behind the lead, and there's a total of six contestants, therefore, within four points. The leader, however, or interestingly enough, went 5-0 and this past week to leapfrog a lot of people who struggled with the Week 17 NFL card with many 1-4s uh, and 2-3s and amongst the contestants, both in the Super Contest Gold and in the regular Super Contest itself. Looking at, at the uh, consensus coming into last week through 16 weeks, 43-36-1, and one, bit better than the Circuit Contest. That's 54.4%. This week's selections, because of the Bengals' suspension of that game that was not completed, as I mentioned, in the Westgate, both Bills, those who selected the Bills and the Bengals got credited with losses rather than pushes. Uh, so that makes the record technically two, two plus a no decision. But for the contest, it's two and three. The two winners, uh, the Buccaneers and the Steelers, both uh, as in the circuit contest and the two losers were the Texans and the uh, Steelers. So uh, five identical selections, although in different orders, that brings the consensus uh, season long through 17 of the 18 weeks. That's 85 picks, 45, 39, and uh, one push. That's 53.5%, only slightly better than the consensus for the uh, uh, for the Circa, Circa Millions contest. And I think it shows what an unusual year this has been. And it has been in several respects. Number one, the number of close games this year, games decided by one possession, has been a huge compared to recent years. And more importantly, the average line in NFL games this year, we've had 255 of the 272 scheduled games played. Average line is about four and a half points for a favorite as opposed to five and a half uh, in uh, recent years. And the average margin, as I recall, the last time I looked at it, the last few years, it's roughly been about 12 points per game as the average margin. It's down about three points this year as far as the average margin goes. So that makes it a much more difficult year, especially, and I'll talk about the lines coming down by that nearly that one point. The lower the number, the lower the point spread, the more likely it is 
that the underdog can pull the outright upset, upset but it also means that it's, to, it's tougher for underdogs to cover if instead of getting five points, they're only getting four points per game. So uh, it makes uh, it evens the playing field a lot between those who like to play underdogs and those who insist on playing favorites, although underdogs against the spread this year have actually done well, but it's which underdogs at what point spread ranges. Good stuff coming from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with an update of what's going on in the major contest. Andy, you mentioned there's three players alive in the Survivor contest. Uh, do you happen to know possibly what their possible plays that they could use, or is, is there any word on that yet about uh, maybe uh, projecting what those plays might be? I haven't seen it, but... Um I'm sure it's available. I don't. They do have it on the website. They didn't have it updated when I looked before, although it's not that difficult to only update for three, and it may already have been posted either on the Circa Survivor web uh, webpage or on Twitter, which does a lot of uh, coverage about uh, the various contests, including uh, the Circa. But uh, certainly, and I heard you guys talk about it before, one would think if anyone had Philadelphia left, and I think there were a couple maybe entering the last couple of weeks who did have Philadelphia left, you know, they are a huge... 14-point favorite uh, in uh, their game against the uh, uh, the Giants. And the other big favorite this week, well, Kansas City against the Raiders and the 49ers against the Cardinals. And as a matter of fact, I know we're going to go into it in a few moments after after you, you, you have some comments, but I will talk about the Giants-Eagles game. No one expected the Saints to beat the Eagles this past Sunday. And there are a lot of people who thought that the Giants, as they did, would have clinched their playoff spot with their win over the Colts. We talk about the advanced line. So these are the lines that came out after week 16 was played, the two days later, or the day after the Monday night game, but prior to week 17's game. So prior to week 17, the Eagles, when they lost to the Saints, the Eagles were uh, one and a half point home favorites against the Giants, thinking well. that the Eagles would have locked up the number one seed, the division title, and that uh, the Giants might not have beaten the Colts and were still very much in the need of a win to make the playoffs. Well, obviously, the game now has significance for the Eagles, having lost outright, and has no significance for the Giants, who are going to be the number six seed in the NFC. That in the NFC, and that one tie helps them because they end up with at least not, their best record would be, um, I think, ten. If they lost, I think they would be nine, seven, and one. And all the other uh, all the other teams in contention have eight losses. So the most that they could do, 9-7-1 is better than 9-8, and eight, let's say, between Detroit and Green Bay or if Seattle wins. Uh, so the Giants really have nothing to play for. And I heard you mention uh, you know, about the players being rested. There's a good chance that the Giants will rest a lot of their star players this week because they have to come right back. Now, we, if there is an adjustment in the schedule due to the Cincinnati-Buffalo uh, game that wasn't played, it might very well only appear affect the AFC playoffs where they might have to push things back a week and they might decide to go ahead with the NFC playoffs because everything is intact uh, once the final seedings are known. So uh, it could be a situation that you want to monitor. And I would also think in the Philadelphia game to be concerned about is we expect to see Jalen Hurts there after having, and it's pretty much gone the way I thought it would about a month ago when he first got injured that, you know, and it's always based on the assumption that the Eagles had, would have things clinched by uh, uh, week seven, by week 18, that he, we didn't know when he was going to come back, but it would make sense for him not to come back until week eight, week 18, so that 
with the, having the bye as the number one seed, he wouldn't go a month or five weeks without having taken a snap, give him at least a little action. That may still be the case if Philadelphia gets out to, say, a 14 or 17-point lead by halftime. They may pull him once again and have Gardner Minshew come in and uh, play the uh, second half of that game. So that's a very difficult game, I think, from both a handicapping standpoint for the side and the total because of the uncertainty as to what Philadelphia will do. I would be surprised if we see anything more than one, possibly two series out of the Giants because much like the games last week in which uh, Jacksonville played uh, uh, their contest against, uh, what was it, Houston, and although they came to play, as they obviously showed in their 31-3 win, but the game between uh, Tennessee and Dallas, that game meant nothing to either team. It was all going to come down to this week's game. And uh, uh, we're going to see Jacksonville not be as fresh as Tennessee was, who rested everybody, including Derrick Henry. So those are some of the thoughts that I have as we get set for uh, what should be a very interesting uh, final uh, weekend of the season. Great observations from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, especially about the 180-degree turn for both the Eagles and the Giants as opposed to what the early advanced look-ahead lines were and what they actually came because of the two situations that occurred on both ends of the game, uh, going from a one-and-a-half-point favorite to a 14-point favorite. Uh, really, really great job there reporting on that stuff, Andy. Good job. Uh, Andy, uh, I know it's a little bit choppy. Uh, looking at these advanced lines as far as the league itself goes with uh, uh, more than just what you just just talked about. Uh, Anything else that stood out for you as far as what a line was as opposed to what it is this week? Uh, Anything that was surprising to you in that sense? Well, I I don't know if you'd say surprising necessarily, although there is one line that was, but I'll talk, for example, at the Vikings and the Bears, the advanced line at the Vikings, two and a half points. Uh, road favorites at Chicago. They've long been since been eliminated. The th- thinking there, perhaps that, well, Minnesota might still be able to improve its seating position depending upon uh, what happened uh, with San Francisco, with whom they are uh, battling for the number two and three seed, assuming Philadelphia uh, gets the uh, uh, the number one seed. Uh, the advance line had the Vikings as two and a half point favorites. However, when the line came up Sunday night after Sunday's uh, action, the game opened pick. No big movement. However, the line is now seven and a half with the word that uh, Justin Fields will not be uh, playing for the uh, Bears this week. And instead, Nathan Peterman will be the quarterback. So a little bit of more than a little bit of money backing the Vikings, who uh, they're going to play, I believe, it in one of the early games. I think they uh, may be not playing at the same time as San Francisco. I don't have that uh, that schedule in front of me right now. Uh, but that's one interesting one. I will talk about the two games that as we do the podcast, are currently off the board and what happened with them before they were taken off. And that's the uh, ravens Bengals game and the uh, game between the um, uh, the Bills and the uh, Patriots. Looking first at the Bills and Patriots, the advanced line had the Bills as the uh, as a 10-point favorite. The thought there being is that they would not yet have wrapped up the uh, number one seed and needed to win. Um when the uh, lines came out after this past week, uh, this is before Sunday. This is before the Monday night game. Okay, so they were Bills were seven and a half point favorites uh, for the game against the Patriots, who uh, edged Miami on Sunday. Uh, and when the game was taken down after the unfortunate uh, uh, injury on uh, Monday night, the Bills were being held as uh, the same seven and a half point favorites. Uh, looking at the game. Uh, between the uh, 
Bengals and Ravens. The advanced line had Cincinnati a six-point home favorite. Now, at that point, before Week 17, the Bengals were still battling with Baltimore for the number one spot in the AFC North, as well as having the potential, should they beat or have beaten Buffalo, they could have an excellent chance uh, at uh, uh, being the number one seed if Kansas City were to lose one of its uh, final two games. The last one, they eked out the win against Denver. They play Saturday at the Raiders, who shouldn't be totally dismissed. They came to play last week against San Francisco, even though they had uh, announced basically the end of Derek Carr's career as a uh, as a Raider. Uh, when that line came out uh, uh, Sunday evening, the Bengals were up to seven point um, home favorites, bet down to six and a half, came back up as, as the Ravens played and lost at home to Pittsburgh Sunday night. When it came back up Monday morning, uh, the Bengals were seven-point home favorites, and that's where it was when the line came down following uh, the uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, injury that uh, resulted in the suspension of the uh, game against uh, uh, between Buffalo and Cincinnati. Uh, another one worth uh, mentioning, I mentioned, well, a couple of them. Commanders, four-and-a-half-point home favorites against uh, uh, Dallas in the advance line. The thought there being Washington might still be alive for a playoff spot. Uh, Dallas was probably going to be uh, already entrenched as the number five seed because it was expected that Philadelphia would defeat uh, New Orleans on Sunday. That did not happen. The Commanders were eliminated, and Dallas opened Sunday night as a seven-point road favorite. And they remain, I'm sorry, they are up to a seven and a half point road favorite. And the one that was a little bit of a head scratcher. Now, this is after Denver fired uh, Nathaniel Hackett. And then they gave a a good effort the following week uh, against uh, uh, Kansas City. Uh, the uh, And the Chargers had already clinched the playoff spot going into this past week. The advance line had the Broncos as two and a half point home favorites. Now, after the Chargers had already clinched, uh, the line uh, opened last week with the Chargers a three-point favorite, which is really what it is right now. And I'm wondering, I'm a little bit perplexed as to why the Chargers opened up as uh, as road favorites after clinching and, uh, and why uh, Denver was even favored by two and a half at home in the first place, whether the Chargers needed to clinch or not, because I think the Chargers at that point uh, going into last week, I don't believe they were firmly locked into what their seed would be. They may have already been locked into uh, the seed in the uh, AFC as the number six seed. I think Baltimore uh, was going to finish ahead of them regardless. So those are the uh, the uh, major line moves. I guess the last one I'll mention because it is an unusual line move. The 49ers advanced line 10.5 at home against Arizona. Opened uh, Sunday night 13.5 up to 14 as the uh, co-favorites this year with the with the Eagles for the biggest favorite of Week 18. That's a little bit of an observation on what's happened to the National Football League lines that will be in place this week as opposed to what Vegas was looking at last week from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, for the final week of the regular football season this week, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap in the NFL this weekend. It's a very difficult week, Mark, because of the uncertainty surrounding teams that are making the playoffs and what position they would be seated in. And, of course, with the unfortunate situation Monday night, that just adds an additional 
uh, degree of uh, uh, of uncertainty. Uh, so I'm going to uh, go into uh, uh, Victor's uh, strength, and I'm going to take a look at a total this week between a couple of teams, uh, one of which is out of the playoffs and one of which is in the playoffs and can't uh, advance uh, or lose their seating, and that's uh, the Tampa Bay at Atlanta game, where the total is roughly 40 and a half right now. I'm looking under in this game. Uh, Tampa, I would imagine, because they have to host a game on Wild Card Weekend, we won't see much, if anything, of Tom Brady and a lot of the starting receivers. And if anything, what Tampa Bay needs to do, if they're going to really be a serious contender in the playoffs, despite what could well be a 9-8 and eight record, uh, would be to work on that running game, which has been pathetic all year. And if you work on the running game, it means you're taking time off the clock. You're going to uh, lessen the number of possessions uh, and uh, try and get things just to stay healthy and uh, be ready for the playoffs that start the following week. Now, so far, Tampa Bay this year, um, although they have been involved in a few higher scoring games lately, um, 11 of their games have produced less than 41 points this year, uh, which is uh, even a low number for uh, for this uh, era of low scoring. 41 is a key number. That's why you may want to consider if you can't find a 41 to go under to buy the half point. But Atlanta is even uh, more of an under team, certainly recently. You look back at their last five games, the totals and Falcons, the total points produced 39, 26, 39, 35 and 30. Uh, 32 going back over a month. And in fact, seven of their last eight games have reduced uh, under uh, 41 total points, including, as I mentioned, the last five. So uh, I'm going to, they've really, once they've made the quarterback change, they've really struggled on offense. So I'm going to look for this game to stay under the total of 40 and a half or 41 and uh, hopefully, and uh, ho- hopefully not going against Victor because uh, he's the guru of totals. Uh, Victor, any comment on that? No, uh, go with it. I have uh, no opinion in the game, but I do agree that you want to get in at 40 and a half or higher in that game. There you go, Andy. From the guru, Victor agrees with the under 40 and a half for your complimentary play on that particular football game. Andy looks to make it four wins in a row, by the way, guys, for his free complimentary play on the show this weekend. Andy, I'm going to let you go. So until next week when we get back here and we talk about the NFL football playoffs right around the corner, I'm going to wish you nothing but success this weekend and the best of luck to you as always. And, of course, the best of luck to you, Victor, all of our viewers and listeners. And uh, I join everyone else in sending out my thoughts and prayers for the uh, recovery of uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, as quickly as possible as we do the podcast we're getting somewhat more encouraging uh news as far as uh, his uh, you know the, the two words i'm waiting to hear or actually the one word that i'm ready to hear stable that's the best word i could hear uh, in the uh, uh 24 to 48 hours uh, ahead stable always meant to me victor as a former horse owner about the horses but in this case it has a whole new different meaning and i agree 100 percent with you let's hope we hear that word stable coming out of the hospital as far as that injury is concerned. Best of luck to you this week, Andy. Be well, my friend, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, guys, before I get to my awesome angle of the week, our good friend Jim Feist, one of the playbook experts, has something he wants to share with you about this final week in the NFL. Jim, take it away, if you will. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I hate to start this off with a somber message, but thoughts and prayers go out to DeMar, his family, 
Uh, seems like a, a very nice young man that has his heart in the right place, trying to help kids. And the great story there is he was trying to raise $2,500 and it's now over 3 million in donations. People are reaching out just to try to do something that means something to the young man. Um, tough way to watch a football game and turns into that. It was very sobering and made you sick to your stomach, frankly. It's a violent sport. These players take a lot of risk. Yes, they make money. They make a lot of money. But um, this is, you're talking about humanity here. You're talking about a human life. And it's much more important than football, and it's much more important than gambling. So my heart is with that family, and I pray that he comes through this and he has a reasonably good life after this. As far as football is concerned, we do have games coming up on Sunday. We don't know what the outcome will be with the canceled game and whether they'll play it or call it a tie or whatever they do. But the games that are out there, there's a lot of teams that are going to be sitting players. I mean, look at the Philadelphia game against the Giants. The game was supposed to be won, and now Philadelphia's 14. Quite frankly, that's too many points. I'd take the Giants because I don't think anybody's running on anybody up off the floor, uh, risking injury, especially after what we saw on Monday night. Um, I think the Jets and Miami is going to be a low-scoring game. These teams are injured. Um very little chance anybody's going anywhere. Probably a low-scoring game, but holding off until the very end, until you know exactly what's going on with everything, right up to game time, and I'll be doing a lot of in-game betting, and I suggest if you're not doing that, you should look into that. But uh, it's a tough week. Got a lot of extra things to think about. Injured players, quarterbacks playing that, They've never played before. Um, teams that don't care, teams that do care. So it's uh, caution is the word. And uh, listen, it's been a good season. And uh, congratulations to you, Mark. Uh, great call on Pittsburgh. Great call on Seattle. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Good luck, everybody. Thanks, Victor. Great insight once again, as always. And we encourage our listeners to check out Jim Feist and all of his plays at the PlaybookSports.com website. With that, let's move on to our awesome angle of the week on the NFL card this week. We call it from one of our black books, one of these nights. And what we're looking to do with a little bit of twist in the angle is to play against any NFL home favorite of six or fewer points on Sunday night if they're coming off consecutive wins and taking on an opponent that's off a win. We're fading these teams because in this role since 1993, they've gone only four and 17 against the spread. You turn it around, that's a 17 and four play against angle. 81% will be fading the Green Bay Packers for one of these nights' awesome angle play. With that, let's hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play on the football card this week and to find out what Victor's got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. Thank you, Mark. You know, uh, we've done pretty well with our college bowl selections this season. On Saturday, we had that three-star winner on over the total in the Ohio State-Georgia game. Both teams, of course, combined for over 1,000 offensive yards, over 80 points. That one was pretty easy. We
We came back strong on Monday also with our five-star bowl game of the year. That was on over the total in the Rose Bowl. And it took a touchdown in the last 30 seconds for us to get that one, but it was definitely a happy ending for that for us. And uh, the bowl record now is 7-2 ATS. We may have selection in the championship game. We may not. Either way, it's going to be a profitable bowl season for our service. I'm happy about that. But, Mark, a game that I still can't get over three days later. You want to talk about bad beats. My definition of a bad beat is a game that you are winning throughout most of the game and in most ways in laughing fashion. And something happens in the fourth quarter to turn what should have been an easy winner into a I can't believe we lost the game. And that was our 10-star NFL game of the year on Sunday. Over 52 points, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions. You watched the game. The Bears scored a touchdown five minutes into the game. At the, at the half, there was, what, uh, 34 combined points between the Bears and the Lions. The Lions scored two quick touchdowns in the third quarter. With seven minutes to go in the third quarter, we were already at 48 points. All we needed was seven more points. And somehow we did not get it. In the last 22 minutes of that game, there was just one freaking field goal in the game. We deserved to win that one. We did not get it. It, for me, is a bad beat of the ages. And here we are three days later, Mark, and I'm still having difficulties processing that game that we had easily won, you know, at halftime or after three quarters. And, of course, I blame the Chicago Bears in that game for another lousy offensive performance, a very difficult loss. We'll get over it. But here we are again three days later. I'm still having difficulties trying to process that game that we should have won very, very easily. But, hey. Victor, let me say let me say this real quick. The best the best salve for that wound will be your next win. Okay. There you go. And I know there's gonna be a bunch of them this weekend, so let's bring the weekend on. <laughs> right. And like I say, the next day we did hit our bowl game of the year on over in the Rose Bowl. You go. To take away some of the pain from that loss. But it still was a difficult loss, we'll definitely tell you. You know, another guy who started the season with more losses than wins is our dog Tuco. You know, he won his first two games of the year with his NFL team totals. Then he went on a four-game losing streak in weeks three through six. He started the year two and four, and he was panicking. But to his credit, our boy Tuco, in the last 11 weeks, eight winners, only two losers, one tie, and that's the guy we're going to give the ball to in the final regular season free play of the season. And we're giving Tuco... In this week's totals tip sheet newsletter, he has not just one, but two team totals. We're doing a repeat of what we did last season in the final issue when he had two team totals and he swept the board with his, uh, he played the over for two teams that needed a win in their final game for a potential playoff berth. He did it last year with the Saints over 22 points and the 49ers over 20 points. So with good vibes from last year's issue, We'll go there again this year and give the ball to Chuko. And he's going to be playing over the total on a team that needs to win to potentially get into playoffs. That's going to be the Seattle Seahawks at home this week against the Los Angeles Rams in a key NFC West game. The 
Team total for Seattle right now is somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 and a half points to 24.0 points. I bet it at over 23 and a half. Anything under 24 is a great number. Even a number of 24.0 will still play the over for the Seattle Seahawks. The timing is good for this one. Uh, after three subpar offensive performances in a row for Seattle. And don't forget about that extra incentive now of a potential playoff spot if Seattle wins this game. We could pretty much bank on the Seahawks keeping the gas pedal pressed all the way down for the full 60 minutes of this game when it comes to offense. And in the last eight games, as a favorite in the last 12 months, Seattle has averaged 27.0 points per game. With the Seahawks off that big home dog win over the Jets last week, the database tells us that NFL home favorites of four or more points off a home dog win have averaged 27.7 points per game. Uh, also, if you read our page three section in the newsletter this week, the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter, uh, you'll see that NFC West division teams in the last week of the season have averaged 30.3 points per game when favored by two or more points. That's the situation for Seattle. Now, if this was that great Ram defense of last year, or even the first month of this season, we may have a little bit of trepidation. We may have even passed in the game. But since losing those key defensive players to injury in November, the Rams have now allowed 24 or more points in six of their last eight games. Here's the clincher with the Rams among the worst teams in the league this year at 5-11. and 11. NFL final week teams with a 333 or worse winning percentage, like the Rams, have actually allowed an average of 30.9 points per game over the last four years. So we're giving the ball to Tuco. He's finishing the season on a great run. He's going the Seattle Seahawks over their team total as your free play this week. And for our service, don't forget the two Saturday games. We'll have selections in both of the Saturday games, Kansas City and the Las Vegas Raiders, the AFC South Championship, uh, Tennessee taking on Jacksonville. In addition, on Sunday, a four-star over of the week as well. Again, Mark, Tuco, Seattle over their team total. That's our free play this week. Now, what do you got planned for this final week? All I, can say, all I can say, Victor, is that's the Tuco I know, this guy that's back on a winning run here. Go Tuco. Right. <laughs> I know Jeff Kabasiak up in Canada will say the same thing. Go Tuco. Right. Uh, before I get to my complimentary play on the card this weekend, just a quick note from our friends at mybookie.ag. They've got a new promotion bonus up to a $1,000 welcome bonus, plus a free $10 casino chip. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code playbook. That's mybookie.ag. Use the promo code playbook for up to a $1,000 welcome bonus and claim your free $10 casino chip while you're there. Looking at the football card this weekend, and also just a quick note, Victor, that in celebration of our big week that we had in the bowl games and everything, we've got our Super Bowl package available right now at playbooksports.com. Every selection play I make from now through the Super Bowl $299 complete, or you can join me this weekend for just $99, where I'll feature a four-star NFL game of the week. We are 12-2 and two in our last 14 four-star or better plays since November. Check it out all online 
at playbooksports.com. Looking at the NFL football card this week, my complimentary call on the card, we're going to go to the Carolina Panthers, who come in off that hard luck loss, if you will, last week in their football contest. I'm going to take a look at the Panthers in this football game and come right back with them this week. We lost last week with them. They are 8-3 and three against the spread the last 11 games in Dome Stadiums. They've also cashed in seven of the last 10 games coming into this contest. That was after a 1-5 straight-up and ATS start. This football team is really closing in really, really strong fashion. When they're away in their final road game of the season, final game of the season, they're also 11-7 and straight up into the spread. So here comes New Orleans, home off back-to-back road wins for their last game of the season. When New Orleans has been off a straight-up road underdog win the last four times, they've lost the game straight up and against the spread all four times. New Orleans in their last home game of the season, the last 12 years, just three wins and four point spread covers. They're also 1-4-1 to the spread at home off back-to-back road games, like I mentioned. And they've suffered hosting the Carolina Panthers just 1-4 to the spread the last five games in this series. The database tells me that home favorites off back-to-back road games, with the last one being as an underdog, playing their final game of the season in a division opponent, they're just 5-10 and 10 to the spread. Those are all nice grind-em-up, grind-em-out numbers favoring the Carolina Panthers. With that, we'll play them plus the points against New Orleans for our complimentary play on Sunday's NFL football card. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I'm going to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports for another outstanding job on the show this week. As always, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com with his always insightful Vegas vibe. And until next week, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.